So it's been a while since we've had a Riker episode. Yeah, and it's been a very sad time without Riker. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Have I you guess missed so. him? No, I mean, I mean they've, he's they've, been there. They, they've he's I, it's an, in a way. I think we talked about this after uh, um, Best of Both Worlds. That kind of resolved Riker's story, and so we haven't really. He hasn't really had much to go as a character. He's gotten a little older, but he's still in that position, and that's kind of... He's in a little stasis now. Yeah, I think Riker's a little stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I think if this was a show that was on now, I think that Riker would be uh, the character that was slightly unhappy. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But this is the next generation, and so he's fine. Yeah, and... He is quite happy with his job. He's very good at it. Uh, And he's uh, able to bed... A large variety of women, one, yeah. one of which he does not bed this week, but but not for lack of trying. Yeah, well, good for him. So what? What this did you, was a very odd episode. What in did a lot you? Of ways. Okay, so so I really wanted to get to this episode because this is uh, probably one of the more famous episodes of the show, uh, and it's an episode that I think gets misread a little bit. And of course, we're talking about the Outcast. A lot of people, I, I found this interesting because when this episode was first aired, you know, Star Trek had never really done anything with, with gay rights. Yeah. And this was a notable exception, right? And I think, I did I talk to you about uh, David Gerald, who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, wrote an episode for the first season called Blood and Fire, which was an AIDS allegory, and it was supposed to have a gay couple, a gay male couple in the episode, and it was killed. Did I did I say anything about this? Not. Well, it's one of those stories that as Trekkies, we kind of know this, and it was produced as a, a fan episode. Like, I think it was Star Trek Continues or Star Trek Phase uh, 2 or something. Like a bunch of people just made a film the episode or whatever. yeah there's a there's a couple of, of of really famous ones now and actually they're they're pretty good and and the fan films are getting uh they're getting budgets now and and they're actually getting some of the actors from from the shows which is interesting but that's an aside so you know star trek had this was always sort of a, a notable gap in the show really yeah. because star trek is always famous for its social commentary as we talked about last week i believe and so here we have another episode just like the Masterpiece Society from a couple weeks ago and, and Ethics from last week, which is social commentary. And it's social commentary that that's not really something the next generation has done that much yeah. before. So and then the way that they do the the gay rights storyline in the outcast finally is very interesting. Yeah, because it's both gay rights and gender issues, too, but not I mean, they aren't um, the fluidity of gender is not. This is not the center stage of this episode, but this was so. This is what 1991, 1992? 92. Yeah, this is very much going on in in universities are talking about fluidity of gender and um, queerness is getting to become an academic theory at this point. And so this is very, I mean, this episode feels very ahead of its time because it is very much coming from that context. Um, I think accidentally, probably. Yeah, I mean, that, that is fair to say, but, um, you know, it, it, it is, again, it, it appears to be a gender issue, a, a gender episode. It turns out to be a gay rights episode, and it does, again, does it in a very more interesting way than I think it would initially have, I, I, I initially would have seen the episode going. Okay, well, wh- how, why do you say that? Where did you think it was going to go? I didn't think they were going to make it. I don't know. They, they number one, the ending was was very. The ending is very dark. Yeah, and a very troubling ending because, 
this is, I don't know. It's a hard episode to talk about in some ways. I think, I think we can't talk. Let, let. Well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned all of the sort of queerness and the sort of, you know, you know, abstract academic work that was going on at this time. And that's something that you're very familiar with and I'm not very familiar with. Uh, you know, I think that this episode is is really interesting because it was read a certain way when it was first broadcast, and it's now being read in a completely different way because of the rise of transgender rights. Sure. That was not a common... that Transgenderism, number one, was not commonly understood 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, people knew it existed, of course, but it, it wasn't a thing like it is now, number one. Yeah, and especially in the, in the past 20 years, the construction of it has changed very differently, how it's viewed now versus how it was gender... Gender is considered a performance, something someone does. Right. Or how someone acts. Um, and now it's kind of an... It's talked about as, as a more inherent uh, right. thing. So... It, it, Which is an interesting shift in and of itself. Yes. But yeah, so that that's number one, I this think. This seems to come from it being, I don't know, it because, because it, it this episode kind of conflates sex and gender in a lot of ways. It does. And I think that's one of the problems that I have with the episode. Yeah. I, I like this episode and I admire it quite a bit. And I think it's 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 well written. But I think that it's very I think that it's a very confused episode, which is kind of ironic <laughs> because it's all about not being confused in a way. Uh, because really, you know, I think that the reading of the reading that has sort of been placed on the episode uh, in, in this decade or the past few years, I think, is that what I'm finding and what I found on rewatching this episode is that I can totally see a transgender rights analysis of this episode working. Yeah. But what I think is that. All of the all of the text of the episode is about transgenderism, but all of the subtext is about gay rights. The language that they use is very similar to the way people talked about gay rights in the in the eighties and, and early nineties. You know, all this talk of "I'm the same as you," "I'm the I same as you," you "I yeah. love like you." You know that big speech at the end that Soren makes that would you know that could have come straight out of you know. Uh, uh, a, a Larry a, Kramer play. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. You know, something like that was probably in the normal heart. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is how they understood this. And that is what they thought they were writing. Now, of course, I don't know that they necessarily could have seen that transgenderism would have become such a uh, uh, cause or, or whatever you want to Such say. Such a thing. Let's probably use the most neutral. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't think that they, they, they thought that. I mean, there's no way, really. I mean, it would have been like, you know, the only analogy I can really come up with is if they had come up with some sort of analogy for 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 civil rights in in the for, in the original series that had to do with like two women sleeping together and that was just like you know what i mean like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that kind of thing where you just can't see that coming it's very difficult to see that coming and so in a certain way it's kind of a prescient episode but i really do think that this episode was intended to be more about gay rights than it was about transgenderism yeah again especially given the political context and the cultural context in which the episode was written given that there needed to be a gay episode at some point in Star Trek. At the same time, I find it very problematic that the gay rights episode makes it very clear that the genai that feel that they have a gender date the opposite gender. 
that is a problem, I think. Yeah. Number one, because that's very, very safe for the episode to do. Yeah, it's it's le- it's less that they prefer a gender and more that they prefer. I mean, it, it, there's a conflation of gender and sexuality, and in, in in that, yeah, because they to be a woman to a Janai to Soren is I date somebody who presents and is masculine in a way. Uh, rather than, you know, it, rather than here's a series of behaviors, a series of attitudes and poses and body language that I am taking on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's 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 as, as though the Janai and Soren in particular are are constructing and basing their gender identity around who they want to sleep with, not necessarily what they think they are yeah. in a way, which is weird. Now, I don't know if that makes sense in light of you know where sort of academic theory about gender and sexuality was in the 80s and 90s but in terms of the episode itself i find it very problematic because of course this was the gay rights episode well, you know, you know it's and a- so it would have been very easy to slip that in i think uh anyway well, go ahead in in a way you almost what what one of the be- one of the main things that you'll read a lot of time is like straight people don't understand what it's like to be attracted to the same as you. Yeah. You know, and, you know, which is where the whole, well, which one of you is the man, which one is the woman, you know, comes from. Because, yeah, that's always my favorite question. Yeah, um, when I find it very weird that someone would date the opposite. But anyway. Um, so it seems this, like a lot of work, people. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, so, this is co- so this is coming from – this this is a, an episode that is very sympathetic towards gay rights, very – believes very strongly in them, but also does come from a heteronormative place and is for a largely heteronormative audience. In other words, yeah. this is a gay rights episode not for gay people. I, I think that's right. It's yeah. a gay rights episode for straight people, this which, is, which this- to be fair – at especially at the time is this, who needed to see it. You know, this is the science fiction Philadelphia. In yeah, fact, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, you know, Philadelphia. I I hate that movie and I think it's awful. You know, because but it is. It's not for me. It, it's for straight people in 1993. Yeah, uh, and that's fine. I think that's that's necessary. You know, and and so as far as it goes, I think that this is a good episode. But I just think that you know, it's very difficult to. It's very difficult to do this sort of episode and, and, and do it well. And I think that my problem with this is that I don't know that anyone was really I don't know that anyone was really asking the next generation to make a strong statement on gay rights in an allegorical fashion as the original series did. I I wonder if it was necessary. Do you know what I mean? Because the civil rights movement when the original series was on, you know, I, I don't think that there would have been I don't think that it was necessary for them to explicitly talk about it. And in fact, I think one of the weaker episodes of the entire series and certainly one of the weaker episodes of season three was a very on the nose allegory. Let that be your last battlefield with with the the black and and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And half, you know, and so that is not a good place to start in, I think. And to the outcast credit, it is a much better episode than Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, which was a bad episode for a lot of other sort of production reasons that have nothing to do with the actual storyline that they were going for. But at the same time, I feel like this isn't necessarily necessary. You know, you- In other words, what was the 
Somebody said, I would like to write an episode um, where White Riker essentially finds himself dealing with a gay rights issue. And, okay, why would you like to write that episode? What we is the We reason? can't speculate a why just because it would be a nice thing to do or this is a – Right, it seems it seems very it seems very strange for the show to go here, and and for me for for my money, you know, something that I think a lot of people have said in the past is, you know, the standard line that I think people that work in television and, and movies, you know, J.J. J. Abrams even said this when he talked about putting a gay character in Star Trek Into Darkness, which did not happen, you know, because J.J. Uh, J. Abrams does not know anything about Star Trek, did not really do any research, and frankly doesn't care about Star Trek and uses as a vehicle to get Star Wars. That's a side issue. Uh, so that's very controversial, Eric. It is controversial. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so the the whole standard line is, well, how do you show that people are gay without stopping the story? And it's like, it's pretty easy. Just show two women in 10 forward, like, holding hands. Like, it's yeah. not hard. Like, this really is not hard. And, you know, even to the point where um, uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, when she was talking about, uh, I think, relationships with Lol in the offspring where she said when two people fall in love the line is written was when two men or two women or when, when a man and a woman fall yeah, in love yeah, i yeah. believe and she didn't want to say it she changed it you okay. know and so that's how you do that i don't think it's necessary to have like a gay rights statement episode at this point now they did it so you know it, it, it's fine and i think as far as it goes it's okay but i just question the motivation here because and this is obviously something that, that I, mean, I find interesting. I, but... I, I don't say like I, – I wouldn't say questioning the motivation in a way that like – I mean this is obviously somebody very well-meaning who just for whatever reason – maybe this is – was – I don't know. Who wrote this episode? Were they gay? Was it – it's uh... – I mean that's even possible just you know here's what I deal with and it's my turn to write an episode. So no, I'm... Jerry Taylor wrote it. Oh. She's not gay. I don't think. Um, um... But that said, well, she could have a friend who's gay. You know, she could just have Well, a... I'm sure she does. I yeah, mean, she yeah, yeah. She works in Hollywood. But, so most but... likely it was just she wanted to write an episode on that. And my, was... my thing about this, though, is that, number one, it's, it's, it's a very – it's a very sort of out of date conception of, of of what happened to gay people, right? Because they talk, they have these like basically they're electroshock treatments. I don't know. They have some sort of science fiction name here, treatments. right? <laughs> they're electroshock treatments, which is what gay people were put yeah. through to try and cure them. I think famously Lou Reed was put through them yeah. because Lou Reed was gay or bisexual and something happened. And I mean, it could be even worse. You have like Alan Turing who was given hormones and like shit like that. Exactly. So, it, so these the point is it's happen. some medical and not great, not pleasant treatment. Right. But, but by the time that this episode was being produced in 1992, that wasn't going on anymore. So, so that's number one. I think number two. I mean, we had, there were certain, like within religious communities, you, you know, that's going on. But yeah, not state mandated or anything like right, that. Right, exactly. You know, and so, I mean, certainly you still had the ex gay movement and things like that, which is now thankfully mostly gone away. But, um, and then, of course, you have the language used in the episode, which is like uh, we have to hide, which is like coming yeah. out. I mean, that's certainly not a transgendered thing at all. Um, urges, I think, is used at one point. Deviance. I mean, this is all language that is borrowed from from homophobic people and from from the gay rights movement. Yeah. So so that's kind of and it, but but it's a very old fashioned one. It's sort of out of date. You know, it's it's like ten or fifteen or twenty years out of date. Yeah. At this point. And I mean, yeah, yeah, and. It's. It does seem like somebody who in 1991 is writing about gay rights in the pre pre Stonewall. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I think if this was an episode of the original series, I think it would have been very daring. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other thing too is that 
and this is something that even Jonathan Frakes thought was a missed opportunity, but it's very, uh, it's very cowardly to cast all of the Janai as women. Like, yeah, I, oh yeah, that's really. I think it would have been a much stronger episode if all of the Janai had been cast, like men had been cast as the Janai. Uh, you know, or even just have both men and women, but and androgynously presented as they are in the episode. Yeah. I think Soren should have been played by a man. I think that would have made the episode a lot more strong. Um, as yeah. it is, you have a pretty woman who is saying, I'm a woman. Yeah. And Riker's going for her. I think it would have been a lot more interesting if you had had a man in that role. Yeah. No, that's 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 completely true. So there's a couple of like missed opportunities. And it, there's a couple of missed opportunities here, I think. But at the same time, given the year that it was, given that I mean, you have storylines even today getting you know controversy and stirred, and you know, re- I mean, was that done just to kind of dampen some of the controversy? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the thing about the next generation is that it didn't have a network to deal with; it was syndicated. So okay. That really wasn't a factor. Now, maybe they were worried about not being not having the episode broadcast in some markets. I don't know. But but again, it's, to me, I mean, it given really its pedigree, seem... given how, what is it, you know, when they had interracial elements in the original series, they basically said, well, fuck it, you know? And it's not like there was anything in the episode that was that. It would not have been outside the realm of possibility to happen in 1992. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, Soren and, Soren and Riker did not sleep together. No, but uh, they do kiss, and they it kiss at been... the very end. But I mean, you know, that that happened in thirty something. I mean, this yeah. was happening at this point anyway. Sure, sure. So thirty something very famously showed two men shirtless in bed, and that was like a big deal, you know. And I think that was probably in nineteen ninety or something. Okay. So so having... so again, daring but not beyond the pale, not something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so for me, it's just there's there's a lot of missed opportunities here that I think would have made the episodes messages a lot stronger. Okay, that's fair. That said, as an episode, oh, it's a hell of an episode. It's pretty good. Um, I think you have a really nice through line for Riker. I think you have a really nice through line for the character of Soren, and the Janai are a little, you know, they're a little two dimensional, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, there is the scene where. You know, she again, Soren makes the big speech and whoever the judge or whatever said, you know, well, you're being arrested. And then that doesn't jibe with later when they, you know, it says uh, they say, um, you know, well, you think we're cruel, but everybody returns happy, you know, and all of that. Um, And I mean, you you know, the fact that Soren does return happy, quote unquote, is a very troubling thing from, you know, all angles. It's intended to be troubling, but... Yeah, it's obviously intended to be troubling, and I think it's... it's uh, y- The ending is, I think, one of the most disturbing endings that I've seen in The Next Generation. Yeah. It's inc- incredibly dark. It ends with Riker feeling very unresolved, with this planet feeling very cruel, but is, is Soren happy at the end? I mean, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I would doubt it. Yeah, the the, the I don't know. I liked Worf's through line in this episode, though. I yeah, liked Worf, Worf was, a lot. Yeah, Worf was interesting in this episode, and I I think that it it you know because it's funny because you know when we had ethics, we had that sort of Riker scene of Worf, and they were sort of much closer friends and had been developed in the well, past. Yeah, they have. Um, and Worf says like a warrior always helps his friends and goes off to something he doesn't necessarily believe in. If that's not intended as a callback, it. 
certainly fits it you know yeah i think so step. and so that's a really nice scene between them and i think when they go and try and try and rescue sora and i think it's 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 very appropriate that that happens and it's a nice moment for them um yeah i don't know Worf. i mean Worf doesn't have that much to do in the episode but I don't know. Do you do you think that they were trying to use him as a stand-in for? He's definitely. I mean, I, I like the. I think you know, Crusher has that nice thing where she says, "Well, you know, she hits it interestingly the way she talks about um, women's rights because we have seen in. I think one of the points there is almost implying is that institutional sexism is not a thing in the Star Trek universe, but that doesn't. Stuff kind of individualized. I mean, you have, we have definitely seen and will continue to see women in and men in all sorts of position. We've seen, we've had, frankly, more female doctors than male doctors at this point. We've had probably. Which in itself is well kind of gendered. I mean, that's, you know. That isn't, it isn't, it isn't. But um, we've seen plenty of. I think it would be a much. It would be a much stronger case for your argument if we, the majority of starship captains we saw were women. No, that's and that's the certain fair point. But we've also seen plenty of women admirals, yeah, women in true. high positions in the Federation. So, um, again, that implication is yeah. And then you have Worf, who is dealing with this uncomfortableness towards the Janai and their genderness, and which is interesting because the Klingons kind of need the, um, the Klingons don't have as much of a different gender role between their men and the women do they no they don't and so it's weird that he would have that sort of reaction i think um yeah women need to be as ferocious and as tough warriors as men do there are women on klingon ships who are you know yeah so so So, yeah that is actually very interesting if you think about that yeah i mean Worf is in the past made statements about klingon women that would indicate that they could even be read as more yeah, than the men in a, in a certain way, you know. Certainly, there. I mean, there's one episode where he talks about they're supposed to take the lead in in, in mating or something. So, so for me, it was a little strange that that Worf was was going there. But I think that. But who know, else could you have number one giving that? Yeah, opinion? you need to you need to have a character that's. I mean, O'Brien is probably the only other one who would be able to get away with that. No, I mean, I don't know that O'Brien... I mean, I've never really heard anything from O'Brien that would be sexist, so I don't know. No, but and I, and I like O'Brien, so yeah, I, I know. So to be painted as a sexist. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it more, maybe has more to do with the fact that, that Worf is talking about non-Klingons. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, that that's kind of the other... You know, that's the other thing, too, about the episode, is that there is sort of this small through line about, about you know, feminism and about where women are in the federation as you said and specifically that scene with with soren and and dr crusher where they're talking about it you know it's well of course because also i mean soren it's in a a way soren's imagining herself in the federation she is seeing a place where you know women are allowed to be women which is something that she doesn't have on her planet and i think she's almost projecting what she would be if she was on this ship and so certainly the social place of women is going to be very important to her because she's worried about the social place of people who identify as women in her society. Yes, I think so. And I think that, I mean, really the social place is, is non-existent though, right? I mean, they don't have, they're on the margins there. Yeah. You know, they, they have to hide. They can't say who they are. You know, the weird thing is too, I mean, you know, the, the Janai in general, um, don't strike me as, 
you know they, they're 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 said that they're androgynous and they only have one sex yeah it's implied that it's 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 what it is she says at one point you know we inseminate a husk and so it's the implication is that anybody is able to do this and so that everybody has an organ that's similar to a penis is the i suppose so yeah yeah well i mean I or does that or or are they hermaphroditic well that's kind of what i was thinking is is you know how, how would this actually evolve and it seems likely that they would have been hermaphroditic now i don't know if you know that that's even possible. You know but... they say that it's a very highly you know their equivalent of sex is highly ritualized. So maybe there is a, I, I am sure there is some kind of you know stipulation to who who does the insemination this time. You know, but you take turns. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you know there's like maybe some divination thing or you roll the sacred dice or whatever. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you could but, go down I, the road about the Janine. Here's the thing: sense, but... I'm not sure if the episode thought that far ahead. Yeah, probably, or not. at least it didn't want to do that. And, and it's true that it doesn't necessarily need to. This is just kind of, but this is 20 years after the fact, and having had the interim academic theory and having had that kind of thought progressing. Yeah, so. Yeah. You know, which is the whole point of this experiment, isn't it? It is, yeah, mm. absolutely. I guess the other thing to to talk about before we wrap this one up is Riker. We, we haven't really talked a lot. I mean, even though this is a Riker episode, we haven't really talked a lot about Riker, which I find interesting because he's kind of a non-entity in his own yeah. episode in a way. He gets some he, – he finds himself certainly, you know, getting very comfortable with Soren. He's a little, you know, slightly standoffish at first and then, yeah. you know – which understand? I mean, both of them seem to be a little, you know, dealing with the, this new mode of thinking. But once they both get, once he gets used to it, there is he decides there's no issue about it, right? And right. that's about. And he gets very upset when this Peter he isn't able to be with her at the end. That's that, his, that's his arc. Yeah, and that was my one problem with the ep- well, not my one problem with the episode. Well, my one problem with the Riker's arc in this episode is the ending seems very, very unlike him. You know, I mean, declaring his love for a woman that he just met, and it, it's just, I don't know. It just struck me it, as a weird character beat for me. It doesn't seem like something that he would necessarily do. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. He is more saving her from her oppressive society than he. But he does is. say that he loves her. I mean, I'm, that's you know, and he doesn't really know her that well. And I, I, Raker doesn't really seem like the kind of man that would just fall in love with a woman very easily. No, but and there we, is that scene with, um, with Troy, Troy as well. Well, I've always again, I've I'm I, we said this the I think we talked about this the other week that I've always really found their relationship very interesting because again they both know what they have to you know they're neither of them are willing to give up what they need to give up um and yet you know I do like the closeness between the two of them um but the fact that he I mean he's had plenty of girlfriends throughout the series but this is the this is I think the first time that he needs to kind of get her approval on yeah it. Yeah, their relationship is very strange. It almost strikes me as, you know, I think Riker and Troy probably sleep together sometimes. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they've decided not to be a couple. And I don't know what that reason is. We can speculate, but it's probably not that interesting. At this point, yeah, at this point, really, there's no, no, you know, it's not like, well, we're on different ships or, you know, we have to worry about it. Or even that I think either of them would get jealous. Again, oh, I don't think so, no. Again, I, I, I think... Troy finds the idea of Riker sleeping around to be amusing. You know, it's not like she really yeah. cares. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that that's nice, and I think that you know Troy definitely gives her blessing in this episode, and I think it's a nice moment for them. You know, and maybe that's as far as it goes. I mean, maybe that's why they painted Riker as so in love with Soren in this episode yeah. because they wanted to kind of get that in there with with Troy, and it's a nice scene. Yeah, you know, um, I will give this episode eight husks seven husks all right i really i'm fascinated by this husk don't even just yeah (laughs) and soren says it's very pleasurable and that's the last step so that's all i'm saying let's talk about cause and effect okay this was a hell of an episode too yeah again what'd you think of this now this one again going from you know we had that we had this last week where you have the you know character episode and then the big you know, high concept sci-fi, and this is certainly the big high concept sci-fi one. Um, yeah, and okay. Brian and Bragg wrote this episode. He is uh, quickly getting a reputation for writing high concept science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episodes of the show, which With, are quite good. And here's another one where you have Crusher kind of sensitive to time being weird. She's kind of the first one to pick up on anything. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, I had forgotten that she had had such a prominent role in this episode. And in a lot of ways, this is Crusher's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's the one that really notices what's going on. She's the one that kind of doggedly pursues it. Um, And she's she's not ultimately the person who solves it. That's Data. But Data would not have realized that this was happening if not for Crusher. Sure, sure, sure. It's an episode that takes a lot of the... I mean, I... I'm really starting to like what they're doing with poker. I know you, uh, like, that's obviously one of the recurring motifs with the show by this point. I mean, it's nice to, you know, see that whoever, you know, it's always nice to know that these people hang out and enjoy spending their time together after work as well. Yeah. Um, but they do some, I mean, the set, they use this poker game as a massive set piece, and every time it's really creepy. Yeah. I would say, I love the scene where they're all, like, naming the cards and turning them over. I mean, that, that's very well done. Um, yeah, because it's what, they go through four loops in the episode, I think? Yeah. It's like 15 minutes a piece or something. Yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah. more like 12 minutes a piece. But Roughly every commercial is yeah. another. Um, yeah, it's iteration. weird. And I, 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 I like those poker scenes a lot. And I think that it gives a nice structure to the episode because it allows the poker scenes to be the ones that are the most different. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of the other repeating scenes they're repeating the same lines and they're, you know, they don't seem that different until and unless they do something different. And it's very, I I would say, I really liked the direction and the pacing on that because this kind of an episode, as you can imagine, is probably really hard to do because, you know, you need to show a consistency between, again, cycles, but without really boring your audience from seeing it every single time. And one of the, yeah, one of the things I, I really appreciate about the episode is that the direct, the direction is very good because, yeah. um, they use different camera angles for each of the loops, you know, even like if they're, oh, they're filming, like for example, with the, with the sick bay scene, um, with, with Jordy and, and, and crusher, okay. uh, you know, Jordy repeats that line, I think four times, yeah, or three yeah, times, yeah. but it's from a different angle each time. So it kind of, you know, subconsciously it lends itself to a, like, okay, we know something else is different here. This is a different version of this event, which I like. And this is the kind of episode that I think if you do it poorly is either terrible or boring Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that they pull this off is a testament to the show really knowing what it's good at at this point i think yeah it's it's it i'm trying to think about the 
now what is this reminding me of? The one where Troy has to send the message through the dream. What is that episode? Oh, about? that's uh, Night Terrors. Yeah, that, that reminded me of that just because of, of the Data sending this message to himself. Yeah, sure. Um, but I'm not, you know, obviously that's just, a, you know, another iteration of this plot. Um, and of course there's Times Squared as well. Yes. Back from, I think, what, the second season? It's in, This is probably the most effective of that kind of episode, though. I mean, I, I certainly like this more. I mean, this also reminds me of Remember Me in a way because yeah you know, alternate dimensions but I've, I've i've liked this i don't know i think it, it, there's certainly a groundhog dayness to it which is probably where i'm getting some of my fondness for it but um well it's kind of weird because did you uh uh when when the episode first started and the ship blew up I mean, well what? that was the um this is another problem where i saw the netflix description right um but and, and we saw this in Star Trek uh, Five. The Enterprise blowing up is never a easy thing to see. It's never a good thing. Yeah, it's it's never fun. And it's great that they're able to throw the audience off kilter like that so quickly. And also, then of course, once they come back from the first commercial break, you're repeating it again. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's great. I mean, well, here's where, again this because of the way that this show is. It's not quite an anthology series, but they are able to do, you know, there, there is a very wide range to this series. And they yeah. are able to do an episode. This is structurally not like any of the other ones we've seen. No, it's not. Exactly. It's very it's very conceptual. It's, it's very, very sort of um, theoretical, I think, in a lot of ways. I don't think you could pull this off again, and I don't think they do. No. Um, you know, and it's funny because, you know, kind of stepping back more broadly for a second and talking about Brandon Braga again uh that this is this is a classic brown and bracket joint episode. joint yeah. yeah like this is what he does he writes episodes that are 95 percent plot mechanics and maybe five percent characterization and there's really not a lot of strong characteriz- characterization in this episode aside from maybe that one scene with picard and crusher where she's drinking warm milk and he's fondling her yeah. vagina or whatever <laughs> he was doing um and but but he's but when he writes an episode, he's let the rest of the series provide the characterization for us. I mean, again, you could watch this is an episode that if you're not a fan of the series, certainly you can find it as an interesting little sci-fi piece. But it's I can see this being not a very strong episode as you know, this is not a episode you show to your friend to show him what the series is this no, is something no. for this is a fan episode I this think. is a fan episode i also think it's something that people could just watch if they saw it on the television it would make sense to them yeah i think you know and and the one the thing that i do want to mention in mentioning brian braga again is that you know just pay attention to him because this is the kind of episode that he does he really only does one kind of episode and they usually work in the next generation because of the the really strong characterization you know, yeah. that they've done in the past. And the plot itself is well con- – it's a very well-constructed plot too. Right. But I'm just, just but, <laughs> diminishing returns on this kind of thing in the future I think. Um, well, especially if you don't have as good of a cast. Well, that too. And I – you know, I, I mean I – mean, what, what else does he write in? I mean Deep Space Nine does he He didn't do? really write – no, he didn't write for Deep Space Nine at all. Um, he wrote Voyager. for Voyager Enterprise. Yeah, okay, which so. are considered uh, – The weaker ones. Yeah, so – Charitable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean I literally don't know a single Enterprise character. Porthos. He's a dog. Aw. I'm, I'm totally serious. Aw. There's a dog in the show. So look forward to that. And I heard the show itself was a dog. Ah, oh. Ah, 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 ah. 
so why does Kelsey Grammer not have deja vu? Or is do they sort of have it and they're just not as good as the Enterprise? Well, that's an interesting question. And I think that there is no answer to that. <laughs> um, my own sort of interpretation of that is the Enterprise crew is just that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we have seen time and again that this is a very exceptional group of people. There's a reason why the television show is about them. And there's a reason why the Captain Kelsey Grammer does not have his own TV show. Can I tell because you some, he's not that good. Can I tell you something terrible? What? I didn't recognize that was Kelsey Grammer until you told me. I don't know what to do with him. You know, it's just with all the makeup that he was wearing, I didn't take up wearing any makeup. I mean, he had a beard or something. He, that's not makeup. He had a beard. Well, he doesn't have a beard in Frasier. Uh, that's not entirely accurate, but okay. Well, I've never seen Frasier, so. Yeah, well, anyway. I think that the ending is great. Oh, and it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fantastic ending. I think that, you know, my problem with it is twofold. Number one, I want to see that scene with Captain Kelsey Grammer and Picard. I just, I want to see that scene. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, you can just imagine. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. What, how what, is he going to explain that? How one? is he going to react to this? How is Picard going to explain what's going on? I think it's probably a good thing that they ended the episode where they did because you get the shock of it and then, okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, but there, you would like it if there were a deleted scene on the DVD. How's yeah, because it, it seems, you know, to have Kelsey Grammer come in and, uh, and do a two-minute guest spot is well, that fine. Well, that's, I guess, part of why I didn't think it was Kelsey Grammer just because – Again, he Are you always looking for Kelsey Grammer? You're like, is this Kelsey Grammer? I Let's, think maybe so. After that episode of 30 Rock, I can't be too careful. Um, what about this one? <laughs> but, you know, again, it was like, what did he have, like three lines? Like it was a, it was just a, yeah. it was essentially a walk-on role. So yeah. I wouldn't think they would give it to a real actor. Well, I, I mean, I don't but know. But again, he was they, probably they just they on did. the set that day and... You have a very strange conception of how Hollywood works. I really do. He was not hanging around the set. Well, I mean, like, that's how, like, music is. Like, you know, no. he did that solo because they were recording down the in the next yeah, that's, studio. No, yeah. that, that's not how Hollywood works. Okay. Sorry. Well. This was very planned. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's it's a nice... I, I appreciate the ending because, you know, as a Trekkie, it's always fun to see the old uniforms. It's always yeah. fun to see the old ships. And frankly... Now, when is this ship from? Over 100 years ago. 100, okay. So I think it's like, uh, I looked on Memory Alpha this morning. I think it was between the uh, motion picture and Wrath of Khan that they disappeared. Okay. So that kind of era, which is why they're wearing those uniforms. And, I read you know, on the internet that they wanted to have Savik on this ship. Yeah, that was true. Um, but that would have caused some sort of continuity error because, of course, the ship disappeared before Wrath of Khan. So that would have been, you yeah. know, what, what? What? How did that happen? Um, and also, I think, Kirstie Alley was busy and also a lot fatter at that point, oh, so it wouldn't Kirstie really make Alley. much sense. Um, or maybe this was when she was thin. I don't know. But, you know, having Savick be a large woman would have been a little weird. Um, what? Are you saying there aren't any roles for large women in Hollywood? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it would have been a continuity error mm. because Savick was not a large woman in Wrath of Khan. Well, there, but there, yeah, but there's like been a hundred years of time loop in between. 
Well, you think she was like working out during that time? No, she was just having space food. How how could she gain weight during a time loop? Yeah, that, that 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 that's what she thought. But those you know trans fats are really uh. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it, you know it seems to me that that Captain Kelsey Grammer is they just went in there and they must th- I don't know how long their time loop was he mentions like maybe 5 minutes it's the, he mentions like we left 3 weeks ago so. yeah so it's very strange and i think that you know the time loop that the enterprise is in is just long enough for them to figure out the problem and plot wise and conceptually that is obvious for a variety of reasons why yeah. that is um we don't know how long the time loop was for for the other ship and it, it may have only been a couple minutes, you That's know. True. So, so they may not have had any time for to really do anything, even if they mentioned. Yeah, in other words, they they're, they're it, you know, the Enterprise is caught in the time loop, but the other ship, you know, yeah, they so they just see the Enterprise coming, crashing in, and then. That's it. That's all they have. That's yeah, all they have. Of course, it also raises the question of what was going on with them before the Enterprise got caught in the time loop. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, like did they exit? And then so are there like different? Is this nineteen eighty five a like times times you know seventeen years? Right. And there are all these universes where they make it to their destination, and this one, I don't know. This is what happens when you deal with time. I travel. know that's what happens when you deal with time travel. And Star Trek just insists on keep doing time travel. I don't know why. Yeah. This kind of episode is good because it's self-contained and it works well and it's got a it's got an actual point, you know. But it, it, again, it's it it works well enough just as an exciting, you know. Again, there's enough nice set pieces that it was a cool episode. And you know, if a few days later we're thinking about how it doesn't make sense, well, that didn't bother me at the time. No, yeah, and that's not really the point of the yeah. episode. You know, it's 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 one of the things that I enjoy about the next generation is that you get to see these people working together solving problems and solving a mystery and this yeah. is very much that kind of episode and yeah. I, I that's just fun to watch i mean that's one of the i think that's one of my favorite parts about the next generation and sort of the joy of the show is you know the techno babble plot of the week subplot that happens all the time you know may not be very interesting on its face but it's just fun i mean there's nothing better than watching Jordy and data solve a problem yeah. you know and and that's what you get to see in this episode and you also get to see Crusher get on the action. Again, you know, it's, it's one of those where everybody has a little piece, and they the show works really well when they have every single character contribute something. It's a very comfortable episode. Yeah, you know, it's it's there's a lot of you know there there's sort of this one of the things I noticed about this episode is there's sort of an increasing sort of almost manic energy to each of the loops. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Like they're sort of getting further and more further and more, yeah. down the rabbit hole and crusher certainly is getting a little crazy more and more aware of the end with the glass and how she you know gets she, right yeah. i mean that's always a nice repeating motif as she breaks the glass over and over again you know and so like the first loop she's doing her little bonsai gardening and then the second yeah. loop she can't and i like that she gar- i love what they do when yeah. they're in their quarters because they're always doing some weird like craft stuff or like painting or playing music and I don't know. It's also really cool that all of these people are very well cultured in a way. I don't know. Well, there's no TV, so hmm. they don't have time to, you oh know. God, they... they don't have TV. No. There's huh. no TV. Don't you remember Data's line from the Neutral Zone, which he said that that form of entertainment did not last past much before uh, beyond, like, 2040? Well, that's because the overlords killed everybody. Right. I mean, TV wouldn't last past World War Three. Right, exactly. So there's no TV. Huh. They, no one ever brought it back. They were like, well, we don't need Top Chef. What do we need that for? 
Well, so they can see. Let's just garden. Top replicator, and you could see who gets to uh, get the best replicator food. That could be interesting. Yeah. Oh. But I like that Crusher is able to act a little crazy, but still yeah. makes sense. You know, there's I don't know. It's it, it's a hard episode to talk about because there's not really that much beside the plot. But but it's really I think interesting to talk about all the ways the episode could have gone very wrong and didn't. You know, there's a lot. You know, Crusher could have seemed crazy. The ending could have been stupid. You know, the the time loops could have been very indistinct. But all of these problems are solved on a production level and on a writing level. Yeah. And they're just able to pull it off it was, very well. It's a good solid. Ep- this we are getting more solid episodes than horrible ones. <laughs> Yeah, there was a but, rough there was a rough patch, you know, in the middle of the fifth season. I think they're out of it finally, but well, maybe not. I don't know. There's a couple episodes coming up that I can think of that are a little rough. But no, no, you said there were no Q episodes in the season. There are no Q episodes. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's just a solid. It's just a solid episode, and there's really nothing wrong with it. All right, I give this episode seven time loops. I will give this episode nine. Because I like it that much. Wow. Yeah. And That's also, a lot of time loops. Also, I love Captain Kelsey Grammer. I just love him. I, I, I wish we would have seen him again. I was, oh, so we never see him like he, he doesn't recur every so often? I don't think so. Oh, uh, it's like I the mean, bartender. I was a starship captain, but I don't get how to do anything now. Oh, no. They'd retrain him. I mean, Aww. come on. You know? That's the nice thing about the Federation is that that's true. Cap, you know, when Uhura had her entire brain wiped, you know, they were able to, you know, teach her to a doctorate level within like a week. Yeah, think about the whale doctor. You know, she went three hundred years into the future, and they're like, "Well, cool. Like, I'm just going to go off on a science ship." Yeah, but we never saw her again. We ne- well, maybe that's the secret. Anybody that's caught outside of time, they have a lot of. They make a lot of grand pronouncements about retraining them and sending them off on missions. But what they're really doing. Oh, my God. Is sending them to Paris to live out their days in peace. Oh, my God. I know. It's horrible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and now they have to all speak with English accents. Oh, God. Um, well, before we talk about the episodes for next week that we'll be covering, uh, we'd just like to mention that if you have any thoughts about these two episodes that we just talked about, please go to trekaboutshow.com and leave a comment on the post for this episode. Uh, you can also leave us a review for that, the podcast on iTunes. Which it would, would be, be very helpful. That would be very helpful. Uh, and if you don't follow us on Twitter, do that at Trek About Show. And you can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekabout. Gee, that's a lot show. of ways to get in touch with us. Just remember Trek About Show and you will always get, get to your you destination. To All right. Wait. Well, next week we are talking about the first duty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> And cost of living. So look forward to those. <laughs>